0: What is up everybody? This is the Locked on Phillies podcast. It is Monday, October 26th, 2020. My name is Dan Wilson and this is my first ever Locked on Phillies podcast. As your new host of the Locked on Phillies podcast, you may notice this is not the voice of Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly, my predecessor, owe a lot to him. Would like to thank him for making this such a smooth transition. You may have noticed uh, that Locked on Phillies podcast, was on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, Tim does plenty of great work. If you're not already following him on all things social media and reading his work uh, for Phillies Nation, you should be. does an incredible job. Uh, he did an incredible job on this podcast, does an incredible job uh, continuing uh, to cover this local baseball team here in Philadelphia. I've known him for a couple of years now. Uh, so does really incredible work. So Oh, a lot to him. Tim, if you're listening, thank you. Would also like to thank uh, the great people at Locked On, specifically Sean Woodley, Kylie Young, uh, and everybody on the team there for making this such an easy transition. Certainly a great opportunity, something that I've been looking forward to uh, for a while now and finally get to uh, get started and kind of take you through this off season together and then eventually, you know, once spring comes back around, the best time of year, uh, spring, March, and April. Uh, when baseball will make its return, I certainly look forward to that as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm sure many of you already do, my name is Dan Wilson. I am a recent graduate of Temple University right here in Philadelphia. I still currently reside in the area. I grew up in the area my entire life. I've never lived anywhere else. I went to Lower Marion High School, which for those of you familiar with the region know it's just outside of the city. Uh, baseball was really my first love from the get-go in an era, uh, here in the 21st century where, you know, there's a lot of discussion whether baseball needs to change, whether baseball really appeals to a young audience. Sometimes you hear that little league registration is going down. I cannot speak to any of that because quite frankly, I have never felt that way at all. I loved baseball from the day I picked up a bat at, Really since I was an infant. There's a photo of uh, my parents and I at the old Veteran Stadium in 1998. It was actually the first time uh, the then-called Tampa Bay Devil Rays were in Philadelphia. I wasn't even a full year old. Uh, And as my parents tell me, my eyes lit up that day. And it must have carried on because in the early 2000s, I began playing t-ball, played baseball every step of the way, whether it was fall ball, summer ball. Spring ball, middle school, high school, you name it. Um, the amount of games that I played in myself is endless. The amount of time I've spent in my life watching the Philadelphia Phillies is endless. Um, and you know, but I do understand that you know, baseball is a game with a lot of quirks. It's not necessarily for everyone. People have different levels of interest, and I want to make this a podcast uh, that is inclusive to all. Whether you're a fan that just picked up baseball this year because you thought the 60-game season was cool, or maybe you started rooting for the Phillies just you know two years ago because Bryce Harper was coming to Philly and there was some rejuvenated excitement with the team, or maybe you're old enough uh, like me where you grew up with the 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11 Phillies when they were winning the National League East every year, and then you kind of went away because bad baseball sucks, in your opinion, and now you came back. I will not judge. I fully understand that sitting through long, boring, tedious baseball games when your home team isn't even winning uh, is not appealing to everyone. So, you know, but if you're like me, I also love to hear it. You know, if you remember the 2015 team and you remember watching Mike Marriott trot out of the bullpen or B.J. Rosenberg or Justin DeFreitas, there's a lot of bad Phillies that uh, we can go through here on the show. It doesn't, not even only pitchers. If you were You know, freaking out when Michael Martinez made the final out of the 2016 World Series because you remember him as a former Philly. Uh, That's the kind of person I am. That's the kind of person I hope to reach, but also include those people who, you know, aren't necessarily, necessarily, I should say, living and dying with every single pitch. They enjoy baseball. They certainly like it when the team is good. And I am here to kind of be the voice and create a community for people of all types of baseball. And Philly's interests, in terms of, you know, what I will be talking about on the show. Obviously, we're coming up uh, here on the off season. It's incredible, but this, you know, COVID affected season that many, including myself, were largely skeptical would ever even happen. You know, for the longest time. You remember, if we can just, you know, take a step back, we're sitting here in October, and you know, we've been in this pandemic. Uh, collectively as a country since about the middle of March. And that was in the middle of spring training. And then, you know, it was right through the majority of baseball season. And at first it seemed like, all right, maybe they could come back in as early as May. You remember that first proposal of they could come back in May and play in Arizona. And then now maybe late June, early July, maybe to be like a July 4th, like this is America. And, you know, we're going to bring back baseball and America's birthday. And then it was, you know, the two sides, the owners and the Players Association, can't really agree. And are these, you know, they're going to squander an opportunity to get this game back. And then, it, as it turned out, in late July, they were actually um, the first sport to come back. Uh, they had a very different situation from leagues like the NBA, like the NHL, like even the NFL, who, where in basketball and hockey's case, they aren't trying to get an entire season in, they just had a bubble. Where in you know hockey they went to Canada and both Edmonton and Toronto, NBA went down to Orlando. Baseball is getting in an entire season. There were COVID outbreaks all over the place. The Phillies played that opening series against the Marlins, then missed a week. The St. Louis Cardinals felt like they were playing doubleheaders every day down the stretch. So a wild season, an expanded postseason. They're trying out new rules: three batter minimums, designated hitters in both leagues, a runner on second base, and extra innings. Like, is this even baseball? It's not the grind of 162. It's a 60-game sprint. 16 teams in the playoffs, and finally, we're sitting here in the World Series, and the Los Angeles Dodgers are a game away from, you know, capturing a World Title. And you know, I actually have enjoyed watching this World Series. I hope the Tampa Bay Rays win tomorrow night. If nothing else, I think 2020, for all the you know things we've had to sit through and wait through, and No sports for so long and then bringing it back safely, but no fans in the stands. And then finally, in the NLCS, we get a taste of fans, although, you know, there's still questions as to how safe that really is. And now a neutral field World Series uh, in Texas between a team, Tampa Bay and Los Angeles. If we could get a World Series game seven, it would almost make us forget what an up and down roller coaster this season and this year for everyone. Uh, Has really been. I think sports serves as a a distraction. Uh, Obviously, a lot of people, you know, are not in great situations right now. Whether you know they lost a job, or they're making more of a fixed income now, or their hours were cut back, or you know, whatever the case may be, or even if it's just your mental health. Uh, You know, this pandemic is not normal living. It's not what we're accustomed to. It's not how we are supposed to live. And if baseball can serve as a distraction from whatever anyone might be going through. I think that really is kind of what we're all looking for. Uh, Not just now, but at any time in life. So that's why I love baseball so much. That's why I love sports so much. That's why I love our hometown Philadelphia Phillies so much. I've got a lot to say about this team. Like quite frankly, how they managed to miss a 16 game playoff in a 60 game season. I mean, this rule was tailor made for them uh, and they managed to squander it. So, You know, just because I'm a fan, I've been a lifelong fan, I, you know, have a lot to say, and it's not always necessarily positive. Uh, I, you know, whether people realize it or not, this team has the second longest playoff drought of any team in Major League Baseball. The Seattle Mariners are the only team who has made the playoffs less recently than the Phillies have, and that's actually going back to 2001. So that's 10 years previous of the Phillies. When you hear stats like Ben Francisco hit the last home postseason home run for the Philadelphia Phillies. I think it's been too long. So on the other side of the break, I'm going to dig more into this world series, tie in a few Phillies points, give a brief tease and take on definitely the number one thing upcoming this off season. That's, you know, the JT real Muto. I won't call it a controversy, but decision, the Phillies front office has a huge, huge decision coming up with regards to JT Romuto, Right now, they don't even technically have a longstanding general manager. Of course, they fired Matt Clintack. have some pieces that are in more of an interim role, uh, so we'll get into that. But first, I want to uh, give you a quick word from our sponsors, uh, Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Uh, They have 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, uh, my personal favorite is the cookies and cream, but they also have caramel brownie, uh, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Uh, these built bars are healthy. They're great for the health conscious guy or girl. They help you lose or maintain the weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Uh, they're great for anyone on a diet. They have nineteen grams of protein. As I just mentioned, uh, there f- you can get a free cooler with your purchase of Built Bar while supplies last. This will only last for a week or so. Uh, go to www.builtbar.com for more information. Use the promo code Locked On and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 20% off deal at builtbar.com. So next, I kind of wanted to get into this World Series as I'm kind of picking up uh, the beginning of my tenure here as the Locked On Phillies host right in the middle of this season's World Series. A few things, a few takeaways I had. Um, First of all, number one, game four the other night. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, excuse me, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that that game the other night, not just the way it ended, but the entire game was maybe a top 10 sporting event in terms of excitement, maybe in my entire lifetime. And when I say my entire lifetime, I mostly remember from like, you know, the mid 2000s on, but I'll even go back to the 2000s. You know, I've looked, there have been some great games, both Philadelphia and nationally. You know, beginning of the 2000s, you have... You know, the Phillies, or rather the Flyers winning in five overtimes against the Penguins in the playoffs. And in 2001, you have the Sixers winning in overtime against the Lakers, the step-over game. Nationally, I'm thinking more along the lines of, you know, when Ray Allen forces overtime against the Spurs in 2013, or, you know, you take a game like the Iron Bowl in college football. I think we oftentimes in sports, baseball or not, get mixed up, you know, really good ending, really exciting ending with a really good game. What we saw on Saturday night was not simply an exciting ending. And I'll get to that in a minute because I've never seen a game and anything like that in my entire life. And as I previously mentioned, I've played hundreds, if not into the thousands of baseball games in my life and add, you know, the what feels like millions more. That I've watched on TV. This game, in the World Series, no less, also when you take, you know, excitement into the fact into consideration, you have to, I think, I think at least include what is at stake. This is game four. The Dodgers have a chance to go up three games to one. From the Dodgers perspective, this is a team that continually wins NL West, NL West, NL West, has made it to the World Series. They have something to prove this year. They really want to win. It would have been really exciting to get them against the Astros because, as we all know at this point, they lost in the World Series to the Houston Astros, who we now know were flat-out cheaters. Then you look on the other side, the Tampa Bay Rays, 28th largest out of 30 teams, so third smallest payroll in all of baseball. If you're a fan of rooting for the underdog a team that embraces, you know, outside the box statistics, analytics. They are a more successful version thus far of Moneyball. You know, it's a little bit different in terms of, you know, the composition of their team. And it's not like, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays lost 2001 Giambi and Johnny Damon last year. But largely a batting order that when you look at the Dodgers batting order and the Rays batting order, you say, how is it that these two teams are competing against each other for the most prestigious trophy in the sport? And you look at the Rays and say, it's a large, it's not a pack of household names. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier has been there a while, but he's not even, you know, he's sitting at the bottom of the lineup. Randy Rosarena has popped up kind of out of nowhere, had COVID complications early in the season, missed a lot of time, was traded from the Cardinals last year, and has gone ballistic this postseason, setting records for home runs, hits, and is largely carrying their offense to the point where the Dodgers are now trying to like pitch around them and strategize for this guy that most people, 99% of people hadn't even heard of just a couple of months ago. So that's who you have in the World Series It was an incredible game the other night because the Tampa Bay Rays are going pound for pound, blow for blow with the Dodgers. It wasn't just an incredible ending where they scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth. You look at this box score from really the fourth inning on. After three, the Dodgers have a two-run lead. Then the Rays get one in the fourth, Dodgers one in the fifth, Rays bottom of the fifth, Dodgers one in the sixth. Then you get the Lau homer in the bottom of the sixth for Tampa Bay. That's three runs. Two for the Dodgers' top seven. Bottom seven, the Rays get a run. Top of the eighth, Dodgers get a run. Finally, you have a scoreless inning in the bottom of the eighth where the Rays can't put up any. Top of the ninth, Dodgers don't score. And then the Rays, down to their final strike, have Brett Phillips at the plate, who wasn't even supposed to be hitting in the game because he had pinched run when it was his previous time up has Randy ran on first, who drew a walk, and Kevin Kiermeyer on second base, who stands as the tying run. So tying run on second, winning run on first, rips a ball into center field, gets bobbled by Chris Taylor in center. Kiermeyer was probably going to score anyway. It's two outs, two strikes. He's running on the crack of the bat. Orozarena trips coming around third, The ball on the relay throw, Muncie sees that he tripped, still throws it home to Will Smith, who mishandles the throw, although it wasn't the greatest throw, and the only error actually charged on the play was to the center fielder, Chris Taylor. Ball gets away, and Rosa Reina, who had just begun retreating back to third base, is now stumbling home and barely has enough on the headfirst dive into home plate to score the winning run. That was the capper of an all-time game, not just an amazing ending. And the only thing that competes with it, given the stakes, is if you go back to 2013, the Red Sox were playing the Cardinals, and the Cardinals won a game because Will Middlebrooks tripped, I believe it was Alan Craig at third base, and obstruction was called. Both incredible endings. I think this was the better game and this is right up there like I said with the re- with you know some of the best sporting events of our lifetimes that we'll talk about for for years to come. Ray Allen, you know, shooting to tie the game against the Spurs force overtime in game 6 and then of course the Heat go on to win game 7, the Iron Bowl kick 6 where Chris Davis returns it from the back of the end zone for Auburn to beat Alabama and this in terms of baseball I think was that all-time game, and we don't even know how this series is going to end yet. Now, a few things I've noticed from this World Series, and these are topics that I'm going to continually hit on as we kind of move through the offseason. One, it's unbelievable that this World Series is and this baseball season is coming so close to ending because the second it does, J.T. Romuto is no longer on the books for the Philadelphia Phillies. He will become a free agent. And... You know, I don't need to educate you on this situation. If you follow the Phillies at all, you know what the deal is here. They traded away one of their top pitching prospects in the entire organization, in Sixto Sanchez, to a division rival two years ago, the Miami Marlins. Got back JT Realmuto, a catcher, a catcher who's now, you know, moving, not getting any younger. He's moving closer and closer into his 30s, as we sit here today on October 26th, he's 29, by the time next season begins he'll be 30, 30. his birthday is March 18th, 1991. Historically, he's hitting that age where catchers start to drop off, and you can look around the league, the Buster Poseys of the world. if you go back years and years, I'd have to pull up the exact numbers and we'll do a breakdown one of these days. But, you know, Jorge Posada was one of the great catchers who, you know, obviously caught for the Yankees for years and years. Catchers typically don't withhold and it's just such, you know, an, a grueling and a position of attrition. And you take such a beating back there that it's unrealistic to expect or it's not realistic to expect that J.T. Real Muto will withstand this kind of production in years to come. Now, I know everyone wants them to keep J.T. Real Muto. I frankly, and again, i will get into this more as uh, you know, more podcasts come out, do not think it's necessarily wise for them to just fork over quote-unquote stupid money to keep J.T. Real Muto. He's a fan favorite. He's obviously one of, you know, Bryce Harper's favorites. I'm recording this podcast the day after Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto and their spouses, you know, were out to dinner in Las Vegas. They're obviously very good friends. And there is something to be said about keeping your 330 million dollar All-Star happy. But that doesn't mean what Bryce Harper wants is necessarily in the best interest of the organization. And also, I don't buy the argument that just because you gave up Sixto Sanchez to get him, that that's a reason why you have to re-sign him. For anyone who's also a fan of the Sixers, look at a situation like Tobias Harris. They traded away assets to get Tobias Harris, re-signed him to a max contract, and I understand I'm comparing apples and oranges here a little bit, because the NBA has a salary cap, Major League Baseball does not. But you know what Major League Baseball does have a luxury tax, a luxury tax rather and John Middleton the Phillies owner has never shown any inclination that he's willing to go over that luxury tax. Why I compare Tobias Harris is just because you trade away assets to get something. On in the cases of these two guys expiring contracts doesn't mean that cutting your losses and letting the guy go is a horrible decision. If the Sixers let Tobias Harris go, if Tobias Harris came to the Sixers and said, I want a max contract or I'm getting out of here, the Sixers would have been better served spending that money elsewhere. Now they've locked themselves in to a bad situation and they took a promising future and have declined the potential of that. I don't want the Phillies to make the same mistake. I know we love the guy. I know we're looking at what he's done in the past in both Miami and Philly and saying, this guy is great. I'm telling you, if they sign this guy, you have to at least know that he's not going to be catching for you. And a lot of his value comes as a defensive catcher the same way that he will be in years past. And by the way, and this is a stat courtesy of my predecessor, uh, Tim Kelly. I saw it first on his Twitter account. JT Romuto had a negative one runs defensive run saved this year. He's not even necessarily the defensive you know, all-star, at least this season, that we all thought he was. I love JT Realmuto. I'm not going to flip if they bring him back. I'm going to be interested to see what the contract is. But the reason why I'm tying it back to this World Series is because something interesting that I've noticed in this World Series that we obviously haven't had in years past is that it's a consistent designated hitter. And the rumblings, at least for next season, is that Major League Baseball plans to proceed going back to pitchers hitting in the National League, which, just to give you kind of a little bit of vision into the way I think, I am maybe the only person around my age, early 20s, who is anti-designated hitter. The only reason I'm against it is because of the additional strategy I get. It's not where the game is going. I understand you're not going to pull the designated hitter away from the American League, and I actually like it a lot better, and have been saying this for years, that you're not flipping back and forth. In the World Series, the most important games played all season, whether there's a designated hitter or not a designated hitter. The situation that comes to mind is 2011, Nelson Cruz playing right field for the Texas Rangers. Rangers are a strike away. David Freeze hits a ball on the right. He misplays it or at least wasn't fast enough to get back on it, they tie the game, freeze, walks it off later in extra innings, they win game seven, you all know the story. So I do like the consistency between the two leagues, particularly how it plays out in the World Series. I also like it from a Phillies perspective. If you're not going to have a designated hitter, that means that JT Romuto to get in the lineup every day, needs to be catching or playing first base. And that's a l- one less hitter that you can get in the lineup. And, you know, it may not come up this year or next, but J.T. Romuto is talking about getting a 5, 6, maybe 8-year contract. You're looking at Reese Hoskins at first base, not great defensively. We all saw what he did in left field. So the pillars of your organization, Hoskins at first, Harper and Wright, you, you know, it was nice to kind of use that as a partial day off in the 60-game season, give Harper some reps at designated hitter. Real Muto at catcher, we also know he can play first base. It's a lot of bats you got to get in your lineup, and if there's not going to be a designated hitter in the National League, at least in the short term, I think that absolutely has to come into the consideration of resigning this guy. I've liked how it's played out in the World Series. I don't generally like it. Having said that, I understand it's not where baseball is going. Baseball should probably just adopt the designated hitter at this point, I thought. That this 2020 COVID-shortened season would have been the excuse and the momentum that you know the sport needed to get this over the hump and just get it consistent in both leagues moving forward. Doesn't seem like that's the case as of today, though we do know it's a fluid situation. I think it's something to monitor, and I think it's certainly something to monitor as we go into this offseason. Once this World Series, once this final out's recorded, which could be a little more than 24 hours from now, if the Dodgers close it out at the longest, it'll go to Game 7 on Wednesday. The next morning, JT Romuto wakes up a free agent, and I hope Romuto and Bryce Harper enjoyed their meal together last night in Vegas, because it might have been their final meal together as teammates, with how much JT Romuto was asking, and it's not necessarily a horrible thing.